Hello, Monetization Nation. Welcome back to another episode with Jay Samet. In the last episode, we discussed how to get other people's money, learning from failure, and the requirements for success. We also discussed the first three truths in Jay's book, Future Proofing You, 12 Truths for Creating Opportunity, Maximizing Wealth, and Controlling Your Destiny in an Uncertain World. These truths are, we must have a growth mindset, obstacles are opportunities in disguise, and fear is good. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the remaining nine truths from the book. Let's talk about truth number four. Failure is great. Failure is the only way you learn. You know, a baby doesn't walk up one day, wake up and go, today I shall walk across the room. They stumble, they get up, they figure it out, they stumble, they get Jeff Bezos with Amazon lost money year after year after year after year to come out the other side of it. It's the richest man in history, okay? You learn, you get insights from failing. You figure out what doesn't work. If you believe that you only need insights and perseverance, then failing is how you get those insights. If you're not trying new things, then you're gonna have the same information as everybody else. The only competitive business, in the only competitive advantage you will have in business in the 21st century, I don't care if you have a restaurant, you're selling shoes, or you're making an app, is to get insights from your customers faster than the competition. And I'll give you great proof of this. If I was to ask you, what was the most successful tech company of the past 10 years? Who would you pick? Probably, probably Amazon, actually. But, but yeah. Google would be right up there, probably. Amazon, Google, Facebook, Apple, none of them compare to the tech company I'm about to tell you. Now, one of the truths that we'll get to later is everything is a high-tech startup. Yes. So the most successful was Domino's Pizza. You say tech company, when they became app-centric, the majority of the employees at Domino's work on IT. They had a direct relationship with their customer. They could A-B test things. They could test market things. They could cut out employees. They could have real-time data of how to move pricing and everything else. And their company catapulted. Making pizza is the easiest part of the business. You know, number one business that fails is restaurants because people go, oh, I got a great barbecue restaurant recipe. I'm going to open a restaurant. There was a guy that I wrote about in Disrupt You. He wanted to open a restaurant, but he knew the high risk of restaurants failing. So he really wanted to look at the data. Why do restaurants fail? And it's obvious reasons. Number one, you have too many items on the menu. Nobody orders the fish. There goes your profits. So he said, I'm going to open a restaurant with only three items on the menu. Second problem was, wait a second. Humans all eat at the same time, lunch and dinner. So if everybody... If you see two people at a table for four at lunch, you can't monetize those other two chairs. So rule number two, his restaurant was going to fill every seat, only seat full tables, which means you're going to have to sit with strangers. And if there's not enough for a full table, wait at the bar, which is a high profit area. So now that he had what he solved for, the question was, what type of restaurant would allow you to get away with three items on the menu and sitting with strangers? And for 60 years, Benihana's has been killing it. Oh my goodness. I love Benihana's. The, the idea wasn't, I'm going to open a Japanese teppiyaki house. It was, how do I solve for why restaurants fail? Yeah. Most people jump into business without validating all their assumptions. 
use data. Data has no ego. It won't steer you wrong. And data doesn't mean just in the computer world. Um, my dad opened, went from being a school teacher to opening a, a, a small mom and pop restaurant. And he used to sit outside other, other restaurants in the area and just with a counter, how many people came in at lunchtime each day? You know, how busy is the area? Where should he open this place? Data. Okay. Uh, number five, your unique superpower makes you successful. So many people try to be somebody that they're not. Here's a little obvious tip. Everybody else is already taken, so you should be you. And there's something that makes you unique that is your competitive advantage. It's a superpower. I have a friend, Ken Rakowski, never had a regular job. He's just super great at connecting people. He seems to know everybody, and there's always a piece in the middle. For him, there's people that have all kinds of skill sets. The, the one that I start that chapter with is a young man with ADD. He's in middle school. And uh, the doctors and his parents decide that he's got to be on Ritalin and drugs and his head's in a fog because he can't control slowing down his mind. And the only time he could control was in his backyard in the pool. So he begged his mom, please, if I promise to swim every day, will you take me off these drugs? And they agreed. And he kept his part of the promise. And he swam in his backyard every day. And by the end of uh, his teenage years, He'd won 17 Olympic medals, and you know him as Michael Phelps. Wow. His superpower was ADD. Mine was being dyslexic. I couldn't read like the other kids. I didn't want to be embarrassed. So when there was a group project, I'd raise my hand. I'll be in charge. You read, you write, you do this. Basically, put the whole thing together without doing any work, which is great training for being a CEO. Yeah. Uh, so much so that one out of three Fortune 500 CEOs are dyslexic. Richard Branson dyslexic, Walt Disney dyslexic. We think differently. It's a competitive advantage, though I was pretty much told I was a moron. And the ones that aren't dyslexic, I've worked with a lot of those high-level CEOs, some of those high-level CEOs, and, and a lot of them have other high-level issues. I, I worked with a CEO of an airline who has very high-level ADHD, right? Absolutely. But, but he's figured out how to turn that into a superpower, and he hires a great COO who, who works with him, and, and he accomplishes amazing things. You hit, you hit on a big thing. Most people hire people like themselves. They interview for somebody to be a buddy and a friend when in actuality, you want somebody to fill in the holes that you have yes, I mean, to complement the weaknesses. You know, I, you know, I've run, you know, hundred billion dollar company um, yet don't leave an original contract with me or my desk. I will make it disappear. I mean, I'm not the detailed, you know, there are those people that, that get satisfaction at the end of the day, crossing the last thing off the list. Yeah. My list never ends. So I need those kind of people or, you know, my brain has too many tabs open. So find your superpower. And, and, and if you don't know where it is in, in future proofing you, I give you questions to find it. One of them is why do friends come to you for advice? Yeah. Nobody ever came to me for fashion advice, not my superpower. <laughs> so why do they come, you know? And at this stage of life, I'd probably say to most of the people in the business world that they could call me, it's a deal structure, you know? You don't, you don't get rich by working hard. You get rich by how you structure things. Love it. Okay, let's go to number six. So this one is particularly interesting to me because I gave a TED talk on passion marketing and, um, and I just finished an ebook on passion marketing. So your sixth uh, truth is passion makes you unstoppable. 
Can you teach us a little more about that? Sure. So if we're back to that, you need insight and I teach you how to do that. Perseverance is tough. You're going to hit obstacles. You're going to feel alone in the world. But if you can turn your perseverance and persistence into passion, if there's a purpose, a higher reason for why you're doing things, it'll get, it'll pull you through. Anybody can make a pair of shoes. When Tom's shoes came along and said, for every pair you buy, somebody with that's never had a pair of shoes gets yeah. the first pair of shoes. How much better do you feel about that purchase as a consumer? How much better do you feel as an employee that you want to work at a company that has a purpose to what they're doing? And so we all are surrounded by injustices. Our whole lives see this every day. If you're solving a problem, why not solve a problem that you really care about? Tom Bilyeu, Impact Theory, wrote the foreword to the book. Tom had a successful software company, but their hearts weren't in it. He came from a family where he had relatives that were morbidly obese and he wanted to help. And he looked around and realized all the protein bars on the market, 1600 of them all had corn syrup. They were basically candy bars sold as health food. Wasn't really helping people. So they stopped software and they created Quest Nutrition. Entering a market where there's 1600 well-funded competitors ahead of you, without passion, you're not gonna make it. Yeah. A couple of years later, they sold Quest for a billion dollars because they had lived the promise that they set out to do. Um, at the beginning of my first software company, uh, we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of clients. So what that translated to me is everybody has spare time. The graphic artists, the programmers, everybody in the company. So each year we would sit down as a company and pick one pro bono project that we'd work on in our spare time. So if we could make software one year, we made the first software for handicapped children. Children that couldn't communicate with their parents could now say, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. You know, uh, we designed museum exhibits. And when I bump into these people, you know, 30 years later, you don't remember what you were paid or this or that, but you do remember the impact that you've had on others. Happiness comes from helping others. Success comes from helping others. If you wanna help yourself, help others first. Yeah. If you want to be happy, go help other people be happy first. It, yeah. it really works. You can't find somebody with a smile, give them yours. Yep. All right. Truth number seven, you can't go it alone. This is a chapter where you talk about mentors. Yeah. I, uh, I missed this in disrupt you. I, I, it was, I used to be president of the world's largest music company, you know, and part of the mythology, you know, I remember being in a concert, hundred thousand people in the stadium, our, our artist is on the stage alone, singing from his heart to the crowd. I mean, the, the embodiment of the self-made man, right? He did it on his own. What you don't see is the songwriters and producers and musicians and roadies and managers and lawyers and makeup and PR and the hundreds and hundreds of people it takes to make that happen. Yes. There is no such thing as a self-made man or woman. Our world is too dynamic. No one has all the knowledge. And if you have that growth mindset and you believe it's not everybody competing against each other, but there's abundance, then you will discover that there are tons of people that would like to help you. There are tons of people who would like to mentor. I teach in that chapter how to find the right mentors. You're going to need a series of them, how to use LinkedIn to find mentors. And by the way, it's not what I get another hundred of today. Um, will you be my mentor? You don't just cold say, will you be my mentor to somebody? That, that works like walking to bar and saying, hey, will you have my baby? Doesn't work. <laughs> um, so it is so important. Every successful person 
Zuckerberg had Steve Jobs. I mean, Bill Gates had Warren Buffett. And don't shoot for somebody, you know, you're at the entry level of your career. Let me find a billionaire to help you because they're so far removed from the hurdles. You want somebody in your field that's one or two rungs up. And they'll take pride in it, that their knowledge and their wisdom that they've gotten is of use, that they can help others. And there's organizations, and I list all the various organizations around the world that do meetups and, and, and mentor. Uh, so important. And I saw the, the impact of mentoring had not just on Vin and him becoming a millionaire, but the impact it has on me as a mentor to better understand the next generation that's going to inherit the mess that we've created. And, and what is your best advice for finding that mentor? Obviously, we don't want to just walk up to someone we don't know and ask them. It, it's a, it's about look through somebody's LinkedIn. Are they involved in charity? Do, do, do they involved in the community? Do they have that, that, that heart outside of just their job? And find somebody that you emulate in your field so that it's not only teaching you, but opening doors, um, you know, get involved with, with charities associated with that field where you'll meet other more senior executives. Uh, it, it's really, really easy to find those people, you know, uh, when the student is ready, the, the teacher appears. And, and focus on providing value to them first, right? If they're blogging, Absolutely. go comment on their blogs. If, if they're on, on, LinkedIn posting, right? Go, go get involved there. Figure out how you can get in front of them and provide, provide value. Go rate and review their books, right? Do the things that get in front of them that help them first. The, the best mentoring relationship never involves the M word. You've just developed friends. And, and I'll, I'll give you a great, a great example. Um, somebody on social media from Lithuania, a country that I will admit I wouldn't have been able to find on an unlabeled map of Europe, uh, did that, got, loved my first book, wrote to me, got involved, posted, you know, just da, da, da. And fast forward, I said, well, nobody has the Lithuanian rights to the book. So here, go do it. And that one thing empowered him. Next thing you know, I'm on a speaking tour in Lithuania, the heads <laughs> of the country, the heads of this. He got to meet every successful person in his nation. It was amazing what he did and, and the transformation that that had in him. Wow. And that you helped facilitate as his mentor too. It goes both ways. We don't, we shouldn't just look for mentors, but we should, we shouldn't just look for mentors who are a rung or two above us. We should look for people that are a rung or two below us and, and make sure we're giving back there yeah. as well. And if you have a company, make sure to have an internal mentorship program. Yeah. You know, the, the number one thing that stops turnover in a company is if you have friends there, if you feel that somebody cares. Yep. I, I've, I've joined giant companies at the top or near the top where you show up and you don't even know how to get a phone, an email account. I mean, you're just like, why am I here? Hello. I mean, uh, and you wonder why people feel like they're just a cog in the wheel or a brick in the wall. So mentorship programs and the companies that have them have less turnover. Uh, those that participate on both ends end up making more than their peers. Uh, yeah. Very important. Okay. Truth number eight, everything is a tech startup. So we talked about this before. If you're living five hours a day on your phone, if you're making your decisions of what to buy, where to go, if, if everything's taking place there, why isn't your business centered there? Yeah. 
And it's so obvious. And even, even the consumer goods products, you know, the, the, the products that would be, you'd, you'd think would be the less tech savvy, you know, they're all becoming SaaS companies now. Everything oh, is going tech. I, I, met, I met some really smart uh, entrepreneurs in uh, Ukraine that just A-B test products on Instagram all day long. And when it hits the algorithm of what they spend is less than what the return, you know, they just flood it. When that product changes, they're on to the next product. They have no emotional attachment. It could be a comb, a tube, a toothpaste, a, an auto part. It doesn't make a difference. Um, amazing way to look at, look at commerce. Yeah. So in that chapter, you talk about um, how, how do we increase productivity in a digital world? You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, there's tons of tools. So uh, jumping ahead on, on one of the truths that ties into this is one of the changes, positive changes out of the pandemic, horrible thing that happened. Uh, but one of the positive is we now see that you can have remote workers. You don't need the big overhead of an office. You don't need whatever, but you're going to need software tools to run a virtual company. And so in Future Proof You, I give you like 22 of the most useful tools, many of which are free when you start off uh, at, at various companies to really get the most out of each day to communicate best with your customers, with your workers. Um, and if you think about it, throughout history, no company got to hire the best people. They get to hire the best people within 10 or 20 miles of their office. Well, I want to meet that place that has the best people in every function, you know, within 20 miles of you, you know, I'll move there. But now you can hire the best people anywhere on earth and they may live in a place that's much cheaper to live where they're happy to work for less. Conversely, you no longer have to live in some tiny cramped little apartment in a major city to run a business. Matter of fact, you don't have to live at any one place. You can be a digital nomad. You can run your company from Phuket, Thailand this month and then run with the bulls in Spain next month and, you know, have a work-life balance like never before. Yeah. And those workers have less turnover. They're 40% more productive. They save you on average $11,000 per employee. Um, and they're happier that 81 minutes of commuting, they can now spend with loved ones. Yeah. And they don't want to give that up. Truth number nine, you must fill the void. I know you talked about that a little bit with Vin's story. Yeah. Why would you want to have competition? Every new invention, the, the spatial reality we're talking about, uh, the, 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 the smartphone when it came out, creates new voids. There's new things that can be solved, new things that can be done. So if you just go there, the first person that I figured this out from was years ago, the beginning of my career, I'm on the wrong side of 50, old man story. When the PC came out, other than buying a car, it was the most expensive thing any home would have. This is 1980s dollars, and there was two and a half thousand dollars to get your computer. Right. So a friend of mine said, wow, people are making a big investment. He's gonna make dust covers for computers. Can't make this up, little plastic covers, but you're like, wow, this thing's expensive. I don't wanna get damaged. And people bought them. And then what happened was it says, okay, people, now there's a mouse. Well, you need a mouse pad, so I'll make the mouse pads. He didn't have to know how the computer worked to sell these yeah. things. 
Now you have a bunch of floppies. I'll make a little Rolodex to hold your floppies. One day Rubbermaid goes, this guy's making all these plastic products that we should make. Let's give him $135 million and, and let him go on his way. Goodness. Then I watched when the iPhone came out, Apple was too busy trying to convince you why you need it and how it works that they didn't make cases for them. So you just laid down a grand for this phone. So you're going to spend $30 for a piece of plastic that costs a nickel, right? Cases is a $16 billion industry, you know, per, yeah, accessories. So there's always opportunity. You know, the pandemic suddenly came out. Yeah, lots of people said, where can I import masks and try to arbitrage? Masks already exist, but somebody made a piece of plexiglass with a little space under it so that every nail salon could let customers put their hands through and not breathe on their customers so they could stay in business. And suddenly you sold a ton of those. I mean, there's always opportunity to fill a void. And I have my, you know, three problems a day for 30 days for you to find those voids. So you can have that insight. Truth number 10 was spatial reality. And you've already talked about that. Let's jump to truth number 11. Uh, working hard doesn't make you rich. So what does make you rich? How you structure your deal. So if you're, if in Vin's case, if he's going to do marketing for somebody, they're going to pay him X dollars a month. At the end of the month, he may have killed it for them. They may have made a million dollars off of what he, he did in marketing. Had he said, instead of paying me the salary, if I make you a million dollars this month, will you give me 10%? Will you give me a hundred grand? Who's going to say no to that? Yeah. Okay. So it's how you structure the deal or even the most basic. If I achieve the goals that you set out, will you renew me for another month or six months? Right? Because if you build this big company for somebody, they'll find somebody cheaper to do what you're doing. So it's deal structure. And there's so many opportunities, even if you're an employee. I was working at, uh, as president of EMI, a music company, uh, home of the Beatles, uh, Queen, you know, Pink Floyd, yeah. go on and on. And Napster comes along, cut the industry in half. They're laying off thousands of people. It's decimated. The CFO's like, we have to make our numbers work. The CFO's going to lose his job and the you know, CEO's going to lose their job. And they're just hammering on this. And uh, so I went to him and said, Okay, so we get this basic bonus. If I make this stretch goal, if I double our numbers, will you double everybody in my division's salaries? Sure. So I went back to my staff meeting, took a picture of the CFO, his name was Tony, put it on my wall, made one of those charity thermometers that you fill in with the red pen. And for a whole year, every meeting was, how do we make Tony smile? And by the end of the year, all my people made more money and the rest of the company hated our guts. <laughs> yeah, but it was a good, great win-win scenario. It worked there's, forever. There's always a way. Yeah. Okay. Truth number 12, remote workers as a competitive advantage. And I think we, we, we talked about that at length, but yeah. So all of these things taken together. And when you're reading this, there's a lot of information to hit you at once to make your business successful. So I created a workbook. It's free. There's no upsell here. I don't sell seminars, masterminds, t-shirts. There's just, it's free. I'm just paying it for it. If you go to my website, jsamit.com, J-A-Y-S-A-M-I-T.com, you can get the free workbook. So at each chapter, instead of it going in your ear and out the other, you can start working on the exercises to really develop a plan for yourself. If you don't know where you want to be in five years, how do you expect to get there? So 
Um, there's also the workbook for the first book, uh, Disrupt You. So um, I'm just, I've been very blessed, very lucky. The harder I work, the luckier I get, but I'm just <laughs> all about trying to pay it forward because we need more entrepreneurs. Thank you so much, Jay, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, failure is an opportunity to learn. Number two, there's something that makes you unique that is your competitive advantage. It's your superpower. Number three, when we are working towards a higher purpose, we'll have more fulfillment and happiness. Number four, we can't do everything by ourselves. We should seek out friends and mentors to help us along the way. Number five, because everything involves technology, we must center our businesses online. Number six, fill the void. Voids provide great opportunities for businesses. Number seven, there is a huge opportunity with spatial reality today. Number eight, we must work smarter with how we structure deals. Number nine, remote work allows us to hire great team members and live wherever we want. To learn more about or connect with Jay, you can connect with him on LinkedIn or you can visit his website at jsamet.com where there's a free workbook for future-proofing you. You can also get a free ebook about passion marketing and learn to identify and leverage the highest passions of our ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in your efforts to control your destiny. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.